Yes team, how are we? Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Coach Podcast. We have an incredibly special uh, episode today as this is actually going to be my first official in-person guest. Uh, we've had uh, our Head of High Performance, Mr. Troy Nixon, on the pod. We've also had our Head of Operations, Mr. Ben Leader, aka the Compassion King, on the podcast, but uh, that was only virtually over Zoom. Uh, and today I'm joined by our Head of Athletic Performance, the absolute GOAT, uh, and the King of uh, Performance and all things being a hybrid athlete, Mr. Dan Reeve, who's travelled from Cornwall to sunny, uh, or not so sunny, Scotland. And he's literally complained about how cold it has been <laughs> since he's got here. Uh, for an incredibly special episode, as we've got our first High Performance Coach Live event, uh, Team Success Weekend in Glasgow over Friday and Saturday, whereby we've got over 110 of our incredible coaches coming to spend a couple of days with us to now be able to connect, engage, interact, uh, and now be able to walk away uh, with the crystal clear clarity, the safety, the connection, the belonging, and the certainty that they now need in order for them to be able to accelerate going into 2023. Uh, so Mr. Dan Reef, welcome to the High Performance Coach Podcast. Thank you very much. Dude, take me back to the Decker Ironman. <laughs> Firstly, I want to understand for those that don't know, what actually is a Decker Ironman? So 10 times the distance of a normal Ironman. So we're talking 24 mile swim. We're talking 1120 mile cycle and 262 mile run at the end. <laughs> As you do. The best bit, Ca yeah. Casual. And what year was that? So that was back in 2007. So we did it to the Rugby World Cup. So the idea was that we started start in Dover. The idea was to swim the channel. And cycle from Dover to Cardiff to uh, Millennium Stadium, where we sort of like have some sort of Welsh sort of thing there, up to Murrayfield, Edinburgh, and then down to Twickenham, and then we're going to run from Twickenham to Stade de France. Well, we did run from Twickenham to Stade de France. And when you now reflect back, firstly, people ask me this when I'm exploring and thinking about doing things. Where did that idea come from? Uh, the year before, my dad had walked to Germany for the Football World Cup. And uh, the whole sort of reason behind it in the end was that unfortunately my brother had died from leukemia. So uh, his sort of dream whilst he was undergoing treatment and sort of like hoping that he was going to get a bone marrow transplant was that the, the, uh, the World Cup was in, the Football World Cup was in Germany the following year in 2006. So sort of the thing that he was like really wanting to do was to get to that World Cup. And uh, obviously, unfortunately, he died in December before in 2005 before that year uh, so dad obviously wanted to live that dream for him and he decided that he was going to walk so he walked to Germany for the football world cup uh, in 2006 500-ish miles he made sure he tells me that to make sure like, uh, <laughs> get that right uh, not 300 miles but then obviously the following year uh, the looks the glances start coming my way right dad's done this what are you going to do obviously you're not going to let your dad out do you so uh, me and Rob, the other guy who I did the actual Decker Ironman with, started just searching the internet, looking for the biggest thing that we could find. And obviously, naivety gets you started, and then like bloody mindedness and the and your why gets you through in the end. So yeah, that's how it sort of came about. So it's not something I went out purposely to do. It's through a tragedy, but in the end, like it's uh, been a huge thing that's obviously like propelled me forward and mindset wise has like allowed me to like probably go on and do the other things that I've mentioned to do afterwards as well. Yeah, dude, I massively appreciate that. I think they're so powerful and I think um, so many people will be able to kind of resonate in terms of just finding a higher purpose in yeah. actually now why they're doing something and the impact that can actually now have. And when you do something and you focus on thoughts beyond yourself, where you have the ability to go and what you have the ability to accomplish and achieve, I think is just absolutely mind blowing. So. If you take me back to that moment, what impact obviously did that kind of tragedy and your brother passing have on like you and that mental resilience and that fortitude? And can you think of a time that you were really struggling and or like that was the very thing that just kept you going? Yeah, it's like <clears throat> even to this day, like it's something that like I can I can conjure up and I can relay back to like whether it be doing intervals on a bike, etc. etc. I can still go back to that moment and use that and uh, like the thing that I would try to get across to as many people as possible and like is that we have the luxury and the privilege of being able to push our bodies like that and we have the ability to go to those deep dark places that others like who potentially aren't here anymore or who aren't able to do that because they're just not able to exercise like it's an absolute privilege 
privilege to be able to do that, like to push your body's limit. So I like it's my it's my why to be the best that I could possibly be. And having that in the background there has allowed me to like go to those dark places, like whether it be when I was in during the swim, like just wanting to stop, just being really fucking tired, like just swim for 14 plus hours, not a normal sort of thing you do. Uh, being real, real pain in the transition between the bike going to the first run, thinking that how can this actually be possible? How does he having 10 days of like mainly quad work, something then going transferring across to running and having these like ridiculous doms and just like going up this uh as a hill in London where the first run sort of went from Twickenham across across London and we finished up this hill just after Shooters Hill it's called and not a particularly big hill but I just remember going out there crying just thinking that this pain how how am I gonna actually get through nine more days but then then you remember the reason why you're doing this and you 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 pull back on those thoughts you pull back on those feelings and it happens and you put one foot in front of the other you've got nothing else to do that day you just crack on with it and that's a powerful thing to have it's a powerful feeling it's a powerful thing when when you've got a why that's strong enough that it can drive you to pretty much achieve like on, on those sort of things anything you want to now the curiosity prior to that had you been wired that way like even from an athletic perspective like had there already been like a level of capacity that you're at um, or was this actually now the real stepping stone that allowed you to really step into now, you know, why you... Yeah, so it's like 27, like 27 when I did this. Uh, and I've always, like the why previous would have always been to be the best I could be. That was a regardless thing. That for me was something that I I just had standards. Like even as a kid, I would, when I swam, I'd be getting up at five in the morning to go to school before school to go and swim. When I played football in the off season, I was happy when I was on the beach, doing beach sprints, doing hill sprints, etc. I was happy to give up my family holidays to go to Norwich and like live with a family for six weeks and digs, etc. I was willing to do that because I wanted to like fulfill my potential. So it was there. Was it there to the degree that it is now or that it has been in the past? Probably not. Like I think it's a deeper why, it's a deeper meaning, isn't it? It's a, deep, it's, a, it's a deeper pain, it's a deeper anguish. It's like like a real anger and like feeling of like something's been taken away from you that shouldn't have been taken away from you at a particular time. And that's powerful. It's, pow- it's powerful if you can use it and you can harness it. Like you could take it in different ways. It could be the, be the downfall of you. It could be, become anger and rage and like you could achieve nothing from it. But if you use it in a positive way, then I think obviously I hope, like to think I've used it in a positive way as I possibly could, but uh, you can raise awareness and you can raise money, and which then hopefully can provide research, which then can hopefully stop other people going through similar things in the future. Absolutely. And is there anything from that journey and that experience that you went through that's kind of like really stood out for you as a lesson or a moment or a time? Yeah, I think like the the, the whole thing itself, like really, it's. It's believing that anything is possible. Like, we're not saying that I was an absolute beginner who didn't know how to swim, who had never done any sort of running in the past and was a relative good athlete, as we've sort of established. But there were doubts when I that I thought that things could be possible. And I think whether it, whatever the process be, like most people probably can't comprehend the distances that we're talking about. But if that inspires someone to get off the couch, then go and try the 5K or it gets inspired someone to do that. The thing in their life that's their sort of like Everest or their whatever it happens to be, then that's what it was. And for me, it was it, it literally did make me actually realise that like naivety gets you started, like bloody mindedness gets you through it in the end. And that's that's a huge lesson. Like I say that to all the guys, like when they take on challenges, etc. Like you don't really understand what you are taking on, but that's a good thing right now. And that's good that you don't know that because if you did, you probably wouldn't be doing it. So yeah, that's I think that's probably one of the big ones. But then also that. Just anything actually is possible. Like if you have the right training, you put the right time into it, the right precision, then like you can achieve anything. This that resonates so much with me when I did uh, the only way that I can almost kind of sit in your shoes, I suppose, with regards to obviously going through the event and actually just now having that bloody mindedness to continue was when I did John O'Groats Alan's end, exactly the same. It's like you almost don't realize or appreciate what you're getting yourself in for. And then you get started on day one and all you now see is just the monumental amount of mileage that you've then got to do and how far you've now got to go. And that was literally just one end of the country to another, let alone obviously then having to swim the channel and uh, obviously run 200 plus miles. So 
what were some of the things that you actually now use from a, like a strategy perspective that allowed you just to kind of get back to the process and allowed you just to stay centered <laughs> and focused on what you need to do next and not getting overwhelmed by the just magnitude of the task at hand? We, the, it was a, it's a daily thing and like the, the thing that's come out of it, I do use it with quite a lot of clients and I used it with my wife recently when she trained for the marathon. It's just, you've got nothing else to do today. You just got to get from A to B. Like don't, don't overthink it. Just take another step forward. Uh, don't over worry about it. Don't, 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 don't consider the, the rest of the day. Don't consider how you're feeling. Just literally just get from A to B today. And then let's just weigh up where we're at there. And one of the things that I said to the guys when I was doing the swim, uh, had like a little support crew of friends, etc., who were on the boat with me. Uh, sort of not on the boat with me. They were I was on the water, <laughs> they were on the boat. Uh, but they were on the boat and it was like, to them, it was, uh, I'd given them sort of like two A4 sheets of paper, which was like communication I wanted them to do. They had a whiteboard. Uh, so on the whiteboard, they could write things, they could write stories from my past, like silly little things that when I sort of breathed over towards them, I could read and then, it would take my mind away for a bit, I could laugh and then put my head back down and hope that a fucking shark would eat me because <laughs> I just wanted it to be over. Uh, it never did. But uh, I also said to them, if I said that I wanted to quit, that they just had to say, can you do another stroke? Yeah. And then the answer was, if, if I said yes, I could, then they said, get the fuck on with it. Yeah. And it was just that reality hit of like, can you do another stroke? Just do another stroke. See how you are in five minutes. See how you are in 10 minutes. See, just go again. And like, it's the fact that if you're going to start these things, and again, like I did a 24 hour cycle. I remember. I, remember. <laughs> I did a 24 hour cycle. I didn't tell anyone I was going to do it. I just decided I was just going to get on a bike and I was just, I got a Concept 2 bike and I just thought, right, I'm going to fucking see if this thing, so see it wins. So you can outlast the other one. Obviously, the bike won in the end. I had a very sore ass. But I got to the point where I'd, the, the longest day I'd ever done before was in the swim, and it was 14 and a bit hours or so. And when I broke past 14 hours on the bike, I then started to get doubts in my head of like, like I had in my head I was gonna do 24 hours. I didn't say anybody, and I started just posting every hour, like, and suddenly loads of messages start coming through when you've done 10 hours plus, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? When I got to sort of 14, 15, 16, it was like, no, nothing to prove here, like why am I doing this? I'd like to do it, and I was, it was for me, it was actually sharp. Did I still have the metal? Was, was my mind still there? Was I still that little bit slightly warped guy who can just go and go and go for the sake of just going? And that was the test for me. But when I got to that point, it was then, right, okay, if you're gonna do 24 hours, which is quite a nice thing to say you've done, you're gonna have to come back to this point again. You're gonna have to go all the way through everything you've done. So just, can you just do another five minutes? See how you feel. I mean, you always know that five, 10 minutes later, mindset changes, something like, takes over, you, you, you've got that, that feeling somewhere else, a message might come through, or you might be watching something at that point, and suddenly you, you're not thinking about that anymore. So you just gotta see those phases through, and exactly as you said, remember about the process, because the process is the thing you've got to enjoy as much as anything else. Like, we get into it, no one cares about the shiny medal at the end of the day, no one cares really. Like, you've got a lovely, like, trophies downstairs, but you don't remember standing up on stage, you remember the times that you trained with your mates and the, the hard days and the, the hard days of dieting, etc. You don't really remember the, the actual sort of like trophy moment or the, the when you finish. You just remember the, the, the fun things that you did or the shit things that you did on a journey. Yeah, I think it's that elation actually at the end doesn't come through like actually almost like the, the good, it almost comes through you reflecting on the shit and the hard times and the struggle and the amount of times in your head that your brain was just telling you, you're an idiot, just give up, just stop. What are you doing this for? Why are you doing this? And there's that kind of like bloody mindness and the ability to be able to go, well, okay, can I just now put one foot in front of the other? Can I still live within this one meter squared? Can I now just strip it back to the process? And when you realize that this has nothing to do with the external and has absolutely everything to do with the internal and just almost the belief and the confidence that you're building in yourself. And sometimes you can't almost like, communicate why you're doing it, but you just now know that there's this like exploration and it's almost like this experiment and this understanding, this depth of how far can I really go? What can I really learn about myself? Like how far can I now really take myself? And you almost then elevate, the, the bar almost then becomes elevated. And I feel as though that almost gives you a, a level of like confidence in your own ability and a greater degree of trust in what you have the um, capacity to be able to now then go and accomplish and achieve. I think as well, what are the tactics and the strategies that you can now use just to 
manage your emotions because it is like an emotional roller coaster. Whether you're doing a 5K run, uh, whether you're even lifting in the gym or debating whether you're going to go to the gym that day or whether you're now going to do a Decker Ironman or sit in your, sit in your living room and do a 24 hour cycle, it's, there's still always that conversation that goes on in your head that's like, ah, shall I, shall I? I could just cut this corner today. Do I want to do this today? You know, and ultimately, you can portray and project whatever you now want to, but when you shut that door at night and it's just you, it's that power, I think, of now being with yourself and now knowing that I've given it the best fucking shot that I possibly could and I've left absolutely everything out there. And I think is a feeling that you can't get elsewhere other than facilitating those. Yeah, yeah just doing it and doing it on a consistent basis and regularly. And like you said, you build the confidence in yourself. It's not just... It's not just in your body, but you, your mind then trusts your body as well. You then you develop this relationship between the two where you haven't backed down. You've you followed through. You've said what you've done, what you said you were going to do. Like even this morning, doing like just those one kilometer intervals, it was like I don't really need to do this. I probably just can get through this on the day and just like just do it. Yeah. But it says it written down there that this is what I've got to do today. And I'm gonna do one said I'm gonna do because that's what I do. Yeah. And I don't I don't wanna like not feel follow through on that. And like if I start following through on that, where else am I gonna cut corners? Like what other parts of my life are potentially I'm then gonna to start to like not take it seriously and just like be that. I think it's like for me, like and I'm sure it's for you as well, it's like it's about fulfilling your potential. Yeah. 100%. That's what you want to do, yeah? Yeah. It's just simply about the exploration. I think for me it's always been that I wanna now be able to get to the end and look back. And go, okay, you did some really cool stuff and you really pushed and explored and actually really saw how far you could now take yourself. Um, and I think we were, we were talking about this. Dan may as well have flown to America too. <laughs> in the time that it's taken him to get to Glasgow today. We sat, we, sat, we sat in Glasgow for about three days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the traffic queue, we literally put the, we put the wall to right. And we actually said we should have just done a podcast episode then. Uh, one thing we, you know, we, we, we talked about then was um, the ability for I lost my train of thought now because I'm thinking about us I'm thinking about us I'm thinking about us just literally sat in a traffic queue for probably ages yeah well it was, it was like we were just talking about everything we went everywhere and everything didn't we literally for, for an hour and a half two hours maybe no, yeah. no, no it wasn't that long but I think it comes back down to like you say the, it's, the, it's the challenge it's the exploration it's how it's how good can I now really go and be and this has like say nothing to do with um, like the external gratification it's just now literally that internal it's those experiences you're now looking for and it's within those experiences do you now like learn and gain so much like insight wisdom knowledge understanding and the ability to then be able to connect and communicate and then coach from a greater place of like authenticity um, and I think like that's the experiences that you can now hold on to most importantly um, that carry you forward and also now allow you to recall and rely and relay on those to now be able to like almost like use as a kind of guidance. Yeah, and as a coach, it's a, this is what we do. We lead, we lead by example. And we need to be, we need to have been there. We need to be able to, to empathize with people and to emphasize, sorry, to, to have empathy with our clients. We need to be able to have been in similar situations and similar, and it doesn't have to be the exact same sorry, situations. It can be something that's relatable where it's been pain, like you're struggling in life, but you can transfer them across, like just so we can transfer things from one business to another business. You can relate across those things. And as a good coach, as a great coach, you need to have that empathy. And like for me, like leading and having empathy are similar things because you've been there, you've done it, you've worn the t-shirt, you understand, you can guide people through a situation because you have done that before. And if you're going to be a good guide, you're going to be a good coach, then you have to walk that walk at the same point as well. And like whether whether the things that I've done have been for like family reasons and like out of like anguish, etc., or they've been testing me, it's made me into a better coach down the line. And whether that was the realization at the time or not, I don't know. But actually, it's, it's happened to have fallen that way. And I like to think that now it's like a, a, an experience and a skill and a knowledge now that I have, I can actually apply those things to then really, really impact other coaches and other athletes like at the top level as well. How would you say things shifted from the support that you had for the Decker Ironman 
and the impact that had through challenging times. So like the channel and obviously seeing friends and obviously the words written on the whiteboard that kind of almost reminded you in then comparison to the 24 hour cycle where you're literally in your living room by yourself. You've obviously got Paul and your wife basically feeding you as, as and when necessary and applying, applying bomb butter and red <laughs> So now be able to make sure you get pictures. Some good pictures of that. <laughs> but like how in terms of obviously like the, the support, like how had how had that differed like for you in your mind? Because I know when I did the cycle, the people around me, uh, at points where I was at my absolute lowest, and even like the smallest of things like made such a big difference just because it was that connection and it was that ability to now be able to feed off somebody else's energy. Whereas obviously the 24 hour cycle, you're literally say, in the four Similar, water. like it's like you say it that way, but now when I think back to the cyclists at the same point as well, like timings when I timings when I started started quite late at night. So I got the evening out of the way and the night out of the way when no one was gonna be there when I was relatively fresh. There was actually a game on that night, as in LA Rams, American football, which I follow, that started at four in the morning. So as much as I say it's random, I, there's, there are some events that I'm using at the same point as well as a crux to like carry me through and to take my mind away from things. Like I don't train with music. I don't train, I never listen to music unless I'm on a hard interval and I need to recreate emotion or something like that. Then I'll put let me just song in for it. But music again and like those sort of things are performance enhancers. So I'm not gonna use them. I don't need to, I don't need to rely on those things. I don't want to rely on those things. I want to save them for the moments when I need my performance to be enhanced. So why would I use that as something I'm going to use all the time? Spitting now, excuse me. Uh, but all those types of things. But actually, that the when I when I think back to the cycle now, when it was in that fourteen, that sixteen to eighteen hour mark, I messaged a couple of my good mates. Well, not neither of them were on the boat, but they're my two like closest mates now, and said, "Look, this is what I'm doing." Because neither of them like follow me. They don't fucking follow my shit. <laughs> They probably followed for about a week and they're like, I'm not watching anything yeah. as a game because it's just stupid anyway. Uh, but then I started going, oh, like, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, I mean, I'm here, I'm, I'm at this stage. And then I started getting a little bit, and they weren't, they weren't necessarily like saying continue, they were just having conversation. Yeah. They were just like taking me away from the fact that what I was doing. And I just, again, pedal strokes just went round, time passed, and it's gone. I'm like, like although I was on my own, I still had like little things around, which you, which I think you need. Like I don't think I, I think I saw one of my mates tag me the other day saying there was a marathon the other day where it's in a tunnel or it was like an ultra endurance event that's just in a tunnel. Now that would be a pretty like there you go, that's one for you. Like this is a run as well, so you fucking love that shit. But uh, and people were literally going crazy. Like as in they were seeing like things on the walls running around them. There's nothing in there, but but it was like literally a twenty something mile tunnel in pitch black, and you're just following these tiny little like bit of light. So like that's properly sensory, like sensory deprivation. deprivation. Yeah. Like you imagine like getting on your rower or just get on the bike and just turn on the lights and then have a go. Yeah. Like that's getting quite interesting. Like with the swim, we had to we had to uh, do some night swims just in case the channel swim had to be done. We had to start with, you go with the tide. So on the day, potentially the tide could have started like in the middle of the night. So you had to take advantage of that. Uh, so we had to do a few night swims. And again, like a bit weird for the first few minutes, you're a bit like, what's going on? Is there something around, something underneath me? But after a while, you're again at the same point of like, I wish something would just come in and just get it. <laughs> entertain, entertain. Exactly, like I wish something touched yeah. my day. Yeah. Like, what happened? Yeah. Uh, we did the training, we did those training swims over in uh, the Mediterranean in, in Spain. And we're like swimming across, swimming alongside the beach to start with. But uh, the two of us, like like me and me and Rob, the guy who I did it with, we're, we're both swimming facing each other. So we're both sort of breathing into each other. And then before we realized, we like like looked up after about five minutes or so, and then suddenly we're like, oh shit. We're like in, just in the middle. And then there was three groups of lights from three different towns and it was like, which one did we just come from? Because we just like, like we got back to the right one in the end, but it was like family were all like on the, like the, my uncle at the time was like on the beach, like shouting at us, trying to get us to come back. But obviously you can never hear anything. So we just like beelined out there. But I think we've always had some sort of crux there. We always have something that, we've, that we go back to that, that's going to help us through these times. Like, do you, do you use things? Do you use music a lot or? 
Yeah. You just voice note everybody. I just voice note while I, I just voice note while <laughs> yeah. I train. I think, mate, when I when I basically so I kind of play football, bodybuilded. Uh, that bodybuilding kind of came from I think my own personal again is actually gonna say to you like where do you think that that discipline like really comes from and that desire and that willing and want to now go and be your best and that's what I was going back to actually the conversation when I lost my train of thought is almost like you just now are simply operating from a place of like discipline and you realise that it's you're not normal and you're a bit weird. Like yeah. even at school, like you're saying this to Leanne, it's like I used to I used to take raw carrots to school in a pat lunchbox and everybody else eating Mars bars and I'd be I'd be smashing a raw carrot. And I'd be like I'm strange. Yeah, you're a weird <laughs> Joe, you're a weird child. No no one no wonder you don't really fit in. But it's like, well, okay, where does that come from? Like you know, like that nature nurture, like what and where, you know, and I think how does that then carry you forth? And for me, um, if I think about that, like when I went to university, I kind of didn't lose my way, but I was still training, I lost football, I was injured. And I got to one point where I was like, oh, do you know what, like, I'm frustrated because I'm a self-conscious level. I know you're conscious level, I know that I'm capable of so much more. And it was that thing for me, it had absolutely nothing to do with external, it had absolutely nothing to do with like trophies, medals or anything, those things, but just my own personal um, commitment to myself of wanting to now be better. And it's like, well, where does that come from? And like, what's really driven that? Um, and I think there has been like some pain, there has been, you know, fear, there has been scarcity, there has been um, a, a, probably a need for, at a period of time for probably like, validation and some connection. And uh, like for me, like the catalyst was like, yeah, I just know that I'm capable of so much more. And I'd be getting up at five, half five, six a.m. in the morning, living in a house with four other lads, and they would just be coming in from a night out. and. I'd be off to go and do hill sprints and I was this years ago, so I was literally eating like the same seven foods for like 16 weeks. And it's like, mate, you were drinking protein what? shakes. Yeah, what? and it was like cement mix, like the protein <laughs> shake. Like, oh, like, but you just, I was so resilient. I don't forget one time I was cooking, a, uh, this is back in like the steak and nuts like, for breakfast, you're yeah, the mackerel yeah. king. And I'll never forget the boys had just got in, they'd been on a night out and I was up cooking steak and nuts for breakfast and the fire alarm went off. And they, they lost their, they lost their mind. <laughs> Um, I was like, where, where does that, where does that come from? What drives me? And again, like I think, you know, you look at like different motives, and you look at now different things. And when you were talking, actually, you talked about the emotion when you were running and crying. It's like I was out running on Sunday, and I was thinking about stuff. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm like running around the village, and I'm crying my eyes out, running down the road. And it's like, and actually, I don't think this is something that people speak about because I actually had quite a few coaches that say to me like, mate. Is it weird that when I've been doing quite like long endurance events, I start like getting emotional? I'm like, I've been completely normal. Even it's like, training, like even now, like I can get into, like I said, when I get into intervals on my bike and I get into the frame of mind and I'm like pushing, I want to hit those wattages and I want to stay at that wattage for as long as I possibly can because I want to just like, because you're just that psycho person. But <laughs> I will literally cycle myself into tears. I will be in tears. Like I've been. Like the, the setup when we when we lived with my mother-in-law recently, uh, before we moved into our house, like the bike was just in the kitchen and like I've got my headphones on, the music's like blaring in my ears. And like for me it's not, it doesn't need to be like it doesn't even need to be like an absolutely banging tune. It can be a song that just provokes emotion that just brings you back to a time of your life or something along those lines that like provokes that. And like I can just be sitting there and I'm I'm like sort of almost humming or singing slightly almost crying at the same time like and like like you take your headphones off and i just think that they're sitting in there fucking watching uh bloody it's really come down yeah exactly yeah. in there or someone sat at like the dinner table and they're just like looking over with me going, yeah. <laughs> like going <laughs> crying i must look like an absolute fucking state but that's just they just after a while it's carrying on walking past it and he's fucking psycho i, I feel like yeah. it's almost like again it's a like therapy and it's like it's not because it often even when i think about the weekend i was just thinking about my granddad i was thinking about life i was thinking about you just go to a weird place and it wasn't from a negative place and you actually just now use that in such a positive way and going back to like you like what do you now like use and what now kind of like really drives you i think you just tap into loads of different things it's like abundance and inspiration there's yeah. obviously that exploration of how good can i now really be there's also i think like the pain and the fear of like well what if i don't accomplish and achieve and have these regrets and have these what ifs and like even like one story that i shared i don't think i shared it on the podcast was that i was a good cross-country runner back in the day not because i'd ever trained for cross-country but because i had to get a paper round because i had to basically like look uh, uh, you know my key cape yeah and so uh, i got to a point whereby i break that many bikes 
No, I just thought, do you know what, sod it, I'm just going to basically start running my paper around. So I used to run a mile and a half to the paper shop and I had one sack over my left side, one sack over my right side. And then I'd have 30, I'd have literally 30 papers left and right and I'd, I'd run a 10 kilometer, 15 kilometer paper round and in doing so I became incredibly fit and became a really good runner and then 40 quid a week which was made. Yeah, 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 happy like days. spending picking mix in Woolworths. Yeah. Which I was, was going to say, you weren't in buying 2020 bottles, were you? No, so, no, 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 no. I was literally having my Saturday, yeah. Saturday post. So you buy carrots. <laughs> yeah, I was buying carrots and then I'd have my weekly picking mix from, from Woolworths. And it's like, even that I then got, became really competent and very good at cross country. And I started winning all these races, went to like um, the Southwest, like regionals, ended up winning that. And there'd be all these kind of like people that were cross country runners. And I was basically doing, you know, curls and press ups and all those good things Sorry. in my room and reading men's health and like wanting to now put, put on a little bit of mass and, uh, and fundamentally just look good. And so I didn't really look like a typical uh, cross country runner, so I turn up and I would be winning these races. And I got to an English Championships. Uh, my parents had travelled all the way to Liverpool. They had a great weekend away. I think they just went out for dinner and got pissed and had a great time. Um, and my stepdad always came with me to these events, and he'd be like, "Right, okay, Joe." Like, <laughs> you used to see all these other uh, kids that had their like teachers or whatever that were basically going around. Right, okay, yeah, okay, Timothy. Right, when you go around this corner, the tactics. This, yeah, this yeah. is what we want you to do. We want you to run at this cadence and at this pace and blah blah blah. And um, my stepdad would come and he'd have a pie, he'd have a fag in his hand. <laughs> and he'd be, like, oh, he'd be like, Joe, you see this bit here, mate? I'm like, yeah. He's like, run as fast as you can. <laughs> and he's like, you see this bit here, mate? Yeah, yeah, that hill? Yeah, mate, just run as fast as you can. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anyway, the whole got, time. Got to, yeah, that's it. Got to the English Championships and uh, I was literally like 70th or, actually it was even worse than that, so I was like 150th um, in this race and I got halfway up a hill. And in my head, I'm like, Joe, you're a failure, you're losing, you're not winning, what's the fucking point? You might as well give up, it's not even worth it, you're gonna look like a fool. Actually, do you know what? People are gonna have more empathy and more sympathy for you if you just give up and you just fake an injury. Um, and that's gonna be a story that you can now live with on. And I still remember that process going in in my head. I remember like taking my legs, I can still remember the vest top that I was wearing, the people that I was surrounded by. And I remember I just went, yeah, fuck it. And literally just, it's like, oh, hamstring. And I pulled to one side, uh, the St. John's ambulance basically came. So I was like, oh, I pulled my hamstring or whatever. Went back and that was me obviously out, out of the race. My parents come over like, what's happened? And I was like, I pulled my hamstring. My dad knew, my stepdad knew all along that I pulled my hamstring. He was like, I knew you were bullshitting, by the way. And he still tells <laughs> me to this day. He's like, yeah. he's like I knew you were bullshitting. I knew you were yeah. bullshitting, mate. You were lying and I could feel it. I knew it and I could tell and you could see it in your eyes. <laughs> And, but like that for me, like now that feeling, that emotion, you're never gonna forget it. Are you? Like of me giving up on myself, I had nothing to do with winning the race. But like that feeling and that emotion that I still feel today, that I gave up on myself, and I didn't now leave it all on the, um, you know, on the on, on the grass, and actually I didn't give it my best shot is the very reason that now doesn't matter how much I'm struggling, how much pain I'm in, how hard it is, I will never give up on myself because that is literally just in my brain that is so ingrained. Um, and that is, I think, a fear like for yeah. me of like having that in experiencing that emotion because in that split moment, like the pain eradicated and I almost then came back to logic and then it's like, whoa. Shit, so it's just that perseverance. Like you were saying, like, can I just get through this next stroke? Can I get through this next pedal? Because you know I... it's going to finish. Yeah. You know it's going to end. Like they always say, don't they, quitting lasts forever. And it does. Yeah. Like you won't forget that. And like I've only got one story. I can, I remember one story where I've done it as well. And it was in a strongman competition, like a, a place called Commando Temple in London. It was Commando London's strongest. And the first couple of events had gone really well. One of the first two events went into a, like a Hoosfeldt stone carry for, for distance. And like an endurance things, an endurance athlete, those are the, my normally the, my bags. And it was 105 kilos, so you had to pick it up off the floor and then just basically wrap, bear hug it and just carry it for as long as you possibly could. And I'd gone really hard in the previous event to catch the guy, which was a tire flip event. And I was still pretty, I could feel it. I could feel it in my legs. And I was a little bit sort of under. Uh, <clears throat> and it came to this like stone and I just started going. And I could just tell from when I, as soon as I picked it up, I was like, nah, you're not gonna, you're gonna just drop this in a minute and you're not gonna go. And I just went and did a few laps and then just, I just stopped. Yeah. And my wife, like Paula came up to me and literally said, you just quit then, didn't you? I was like, yeah, I did. 
Like I can, like like you said, you don't. It's not something that you go goes away from you because I didn't give it my all. I didn't go to the point. And normally, I would find that thing to then take those extra steps, go that extra mile to try and win it. But straight away, it was the point of like before I was even began. Like the difference for me was that before I even began, I'd already been, I was already broken. Yeah. I knew that I didn't fancy this on that particular moment. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go to that pain. I just experienced it like very, very, not that long ago. It was almost like another interval was coming up and I just wasn't recovered and I wasn't ready. And it was just, no, I just haven't got it. But it's one that sits with you and it's like, it won't, it makes me make, well, I just don't want to go there again. I don't want to feel that, have that feeling again because that quitting is not, yeah. it doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel right with me. I don't want to experience that again. So it's like, right, fucking that's done. No, yeah. not going there again. Is that like, so I, I love the phrase, like some lessons have to be experienced in order for them to be fully understood. And it's like, unless you now know what that feels like, again, that's something you almost like can't tap into, you know? And I think it's the same with anybody that we now, even from a coaching perspective, I even say this, whether this is now within like business, standing on stage, running your 5K, like whatever it now potentially is, look, it looks like, and I shared this actually um, with the guys and girls the other day, it's like, if you now know that you go out on the pitch and you give it absolutely 100% and you got beaten by the better team, you're okay with that. You will walk back into the dressing room and you'll be frustrated and you'll be disappointed, but you now know that actually you can be quite proud of how you've been able to turn up the effort that you've given and you can sleep at night. But if you now know that you've kind of half-assed it and you've not played to the level and or you know, put yourself out there to the level that you now know that you're capable of and you've not done the work, and then you don't get the results that you're now looking for, that's a feeling and emotion that will never leave you. And I say the same with like business. It's like, if you now know, right, okay, I have gone absolutely in, I've done everything to the best of my ability and I've played to win and it's not worked. Cool, okay, I can move on. I can draw lines of sand and you can, you can move forward. But if you now know that you're living within this, oh, but what if and what about that? And I didn't do that and ah. You can tell yourself a story and you can tell other people a story because I certainly know that I've done in the past. And it's like about how it's the market, how it's this, how it's that, how whatever. But you now know once again when you shut that door that, okay, you now know that you just didn't find that edge and you didn't go and you didn't give it what you now know you're capable of because of maybe a fear of failure. Or maybe actually what if it does work out? And what actually if I do now, you know, go quids in and actually, do you know what, I do push myself and actually what if it then becomes a success? I think actually a lot of people fear success because they like the chase, they like the challenge, it comes back to the process. Again, it's like, it is the process you actually now enjoy and endure in that underdog mentality and being in the chaos, you know, that actually you enjoy rather than actually the, well, what if this actually does work out? And that self-sabotage comes on and they start going, oh shit, actually this is going well, let's get back to that, what I'm used to, where it's not successful, where it's not going my my way. But also as well, like, like we live in that world now where people just want things for not actually doing the work for it as well. They want it and if it takes a bit of work or it takes a bit of time or it takes, it's not, it's not like on the horizon, it actually it's going to be beyond the horizon. You have to go up that hill. Maybe it's the not that hill, it's the next hill, it's the, not the hill after that. Whereas in this day and age, like so many things that we see and that we could do and that we can get, Amazon Prime, it's like it's on your yeah. doorstep the next fucking day. Whereas actually a lot of the fucking things that you want in life, probably not Amazon Prime. Yeah. They're not the good things anyway. Like you don't go and fucking get like, you don't get your fucking car delivered the next day, do you? Or you don't get your fucking Lamborghini delivered, etc. You wouldn't get, they wouldn't deliver it the next day. You'd have to go and you'd be taken to a nice showroom and you'd spend time and they'd take you through a process and you'd see all these beautiful things and like you'd take it on a beautiful test drive, etc. So like that's what something good is. It's a process. It's falling in love with the whole fact of it. and. Anything good, I think, we, we, we sort of like learn from and we grow from is, a, is, a, is about the journey and it's never going to be something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah, and I think it's how you perceive the challenge. Like ultimately, there's always going to now be challenge, but it's not about how do I eradicate the challenges, how do I now perceive the challenge and how do I now use the challenge to now be to grow, learn, develop, evolve. How am I getting better as a byproduct of this? And that's the one big thing. I had uh, an incredible um, client who did a 24-hour um, endurance run. And I remember he voice noted me at 2 a.m. in the morning and he basically just said, he's like, he's, he was panting, just like, because he down the phone. And he's like, Joe, he's like, it's pitch black. I can't see anything. I've been running for X amount of hours now and I'm absolutely bollocks and I'm really in a bad hole. 
but he said, I cannot wait to meet the person I'm going to be off the back of this. And I was like, I was like, mate, get me that, get me get my trainers on and get me out of the road. Because I was like, mate, that was like, that is humble. Like, I'm, I can't, I'm in the, I'm in the hurt locker right now, but I cannot wait to meet the person that I'm going to be off the back of this. And it's like, that is just, that ability just to be able to extend the time horizon and now recognize and realize, well, okay, the challenge that you're going through, the ability to have that resilience, that robustness, and that ability just to keep putting that one foot in the front of the other and just the ability to shut those thoughts down and just keep going. I think you just think with that clarity yeah, at the moment as so well. To keep that there. It's unbelievable. And I shared this, I actually put this in a slide um, for uh, the event on Saturday. This is like, I personally believe that growth and success and progress is actually the balance between falling in love with the consistent daily behaviors and the boring, the awareness that you now have with your relationships, aka the relationship with you yourself, the relationship you now have with money, the relationship you now have with success, etc. And then also the discipline to be able to extend the time horizon and have that delayed gratification and play the long game. And I think those three things for me, when I think about it, are like, that's, I believe, like the concoction. Like, can I now basically get back to the process and put another 2P into the machine? Can I now have... Uh, that awareness around like the relationship I have with myself and why I'm now doing this, what drives me, what motivates me, uh, what can I now use to get the very best out of me, what's currently triggering me, and then also that ability to be able to extend the time horizon and have the discipline to be able to go, well, okay, I'm fine just now. Actually, um, I've got everything that I need and it's the process and the journey that I'm now going through that I now know is going to be compounding and accumulating and that ultimately is a byproduct is going to be the very thing that I find fulfillment and um, fun and success and the lessons in rather than actually reaching the pot of gold at the end and I think like even for me just thinking about that it's like how can you now continue to have that thought process and that mentality and that awareness in whatever it is that you're now looking to kind of like endure and do yeah it's going to be you're going to be successful aren't you basically if you can think in that way uh, and see it from that that angle and all those different uh, points of view and fucking you're going places with the 20 plus years that you've now had, obviously in the coaching game, you're like Yoda, mate. That's what I say. Whenever I send anybody, I'm like, that, that's kind of more like, I'm big fan up and he doesn't <laughs> like it. I'm like, like, like <laughs> again, again. But, <laughs> same message, but it's a different person, isn't it? But we hear the same thing over yeah. and over again. But I basically say, obviously, mate, being obviously in the industry for like 20 plus years and the ability to now be able to obviously still uh, be in the game and impacting on the level that you are, like, what do you now believe has been some of like, the traits? And the characteristics that, and the behaviors that you've now like lived within or learned that's now allowed you to have that extensive career because i believe the average coach lasts less than two years in the industry I yeah i might be wrong on that but like it's not a long period of time so what's now allowed you to have a 20 plus year coaching career in your opinion I'm trying to flip wanting uh, enjoying like when a client says to you you've changed their life that's a pretty powerful statement. And when you hear that for the first time as a young coach, you can't not be inspired to want to hear that again. And I think that's a massive driver in like keeping you in the game and keeping you consistently doing that, just to want to be able to inflict that change. And we have the power. I don't think there's many jobs uh, where you can actually do that. You can impact people the way that we can impact people. And, uh, have fun alongside that as well and like actually like live by the sort of like standards and the, the the principles and values that I sort of have at heart like I love exercise I love being outdoors I love good food and all those things align really really well with being a coach and like just living and breathing what it is like that I do so I find that quite easy to do that uh, and easy to inspire and then if you can actually then combine that with helping bringing out the best in other people as well then and you've got a positive frame of mind you're, you you don't mind doing challenges and you're a bit of a leader at the same time and I think that's going to give you longevity in the game uh, you've got to live and breathe it you've got to love this you've got to you've got to want to have change and you've got to want to like like find the different pieces to the puzzle and put them together and have challenges and uh, want to understand different personalities different people and if you don't like people then you're probably not going to be into coaching and as much as I'm come across and say that I'm a grumpy old fucker that like doesn't fucking like talking, doesn't like being in front of people really. Like it's not true because like I try to return back into my hermit sort of like village in Cornwall, but I then can want to come out of it as soon as I'm get there again because I want to be around people and I want to be buzzing around and like instilling that sort of like 
like wisdom and knowledge that I do have and I've had have had over the years and stuff. Uh, so like I think you've just got to be passionate. Like if you're passionate about it, passionate about it, you love training, you love like helping people, then you're gonna you're gonna have like longevity in this game. Massively. I think one thing that stands out for me, I've got so many different questions in my brain that are going on right now and I'm trying to compartmentalise the structure and all of them so I can think about them logically to actually move them forward because I'm excited. But I think one thing that stands out for me is like I think ultimately you've got to commit to being the very best that you can possibly be, whether that's now travelling the world, learning from the absolute very, very best, and now committing to being the very best at your craft. Like ultimately the best way for you to now be able to get the very best results and become an authority figure in the marketplace and to have longevity. Um, is to now be the absolute go-to because you're developing, you're improving, you're evolving, you're growing, um, and you're now committing to, yeah, how can I now improve my wizardry, my craft? And um, I think that's at the forefront of like everything it has to be, like in order for you to now be able to have um, that ability to now be able to, like say, build and grow, obviously, um, as uh, like within this industry. So what would you say is kind of like, changed in terms of like your coaching like evolution from like year one year two to now kind of like year 18 year 20 plus like what and how is your kind of like coaching developed and evolved do you feel based upon the experiences that you now have from an education and also an experience perspective yeah i think like initially the first the the, the first sort of i'd almost say 10 years or so working in london uh works in a little boutique like hotel gym where there's only a couple of trainers around and I worked with every like walk of life within there. I worked with celebrities, royalty, policemen, nurses, doctors, like, and although in that period then I would have, I would be disgusted at the sort of sessions that I would have put on and like the programming that I was doing right now, what I learned then was people. I learned how to interact. I learned how to my how to use body language, I learned how to speak, I learned when to increase my can, like increase the how fast I was speaking, because again, like you, I can sometimes go and I can start really, when I'm passionate, I can really get enthusiastic about things and sort really fast. But I learned how to slow things down sometimes, I learned how to change how I was speaking to be speak more clear of some people or to like to, to meet them at their level. And those those 10 years, although they weren't particularly like productive when I look back on them from a knowledgeable point of view or actually becoming what I knew what I understood was people I traveled a lot as well I became interesting I had stories to tell and that was a great time in terms of finding out who I was what my values and purpose were what I stood for and then from there I then because then I knew what it was I wanted to be I knew I wanted to be the best I could be it then allowed me to then go right how then what do I need to level up here? What are the other areas I need to like? Personality, character-wise, yeah, it's pretty good. Like you now, you can now sit in any room or feel comfortable having dinner at any sort of table. Now you probably don't know what you're fucking talking about, so you probably need to go and like travel and like learn from mentors and get, build your skills up in certain areas. And I think curiosity is a huge thing for, for a coach to have. I think they've got to be curious about the world, about other things. So then when they're actually interacting, like. I'm speaking back in the day when we used to actually do one-on-one -on -one training, but you need to have conversations. And like even now, you still need to have conversations about things like even in the online world, etc. Like when you meet, do meet people in in person, you don't want to be that person who then has got nothing to fucking say, has done nothing. You need to have those sort of skills. So when you look as a coach, it's like looking at all these different areas where you've got like whether it be empathy, whether it be your your programming skills, whether it be your actual what you've done as an athlete, et cetera. Like you've got all these different areas and you need to make sure that you're consistently developing and building them up to the highest levels that you possibly can. Find your weak spot in nutrition or like gut health or wherever little thing you might want to specialize in. And then you find your niche. Like for me, it was more like programming and more that sort of hybrid athlete just from the challenges and things that I've done and the fact that I'm very much data-driven. A lot of numbers could have been an accountant probably. Like, but actually that, that's sort of the area that I like to go in and that's where I've sort of began to specialise and over time if you've then had the experiences you then got the you then can back up that you walk the walk and then you've actually got the knowledge as well to go with it and suddenly you can then start to call yourself or like people will call you like people will say about you that actually that's the go-to guy for that particular thing and how important do you think like patience is within the coaching game and the ability to now be able to again commit to that process and not cut corners and spend the time building the relationships and I'll, I'll use a perfect example obviously Dan's now recently come in as a head of athletic performance and um, mate you took 
pretty much two months where you've literally just gone from like being able to walk the dogs on the beach and train and obviously look at the athletes you're now working with, just chill out to then obviously now working with the incredible coaches we've now got inside the program and maybe you took the time to now get to get onto a call with every single one of those uh, like people and like knock up the corners and do the work and put in the time and it could have been easy for you to be able to go yeah okay listen this is what they're currently running let me just now adapt and adjust their programming but like how important do you think like like patience and the ability to now be able to kind of build relationships is currently in 2023 it's, it's everything like I've never like you'll know, like my social media is not good. It's like, it's just a diary almost for me. Like that's all I've ever really used it as. Like then maybe more recently, I've put more sort of posts that are starting to be more entwined that potentially could be where you're trying to potentially get some clients and et cetera. But really it's just me telling the story of my values and who I am as a person, et cetera. and that's just over time. I've, sorry, I've completely lost my line of thought. What was the question to start with? Oh, I don't patience. know. Where are, where are we? What are we doing? Are we no, doing a podcast? But patience is something. Patience is something that you've got. Like as a coach, you you you've got to have. Like because these these relationships that we develop, like that's what we were talking about. We're talking about relationships and building, having the conversations. It's something that I've always done, and something that I value. And like all of my all of my business has pretty much come from referrals. It's come from people who I've worked with in the past or where I've been in the past, and I've then kept them as clients. I just don't lose clients or retain clients. They just stay as my clients because you give a good service, you care about them, you know their family. Like I don't know, you, you take the piss out of me from going to so many weddings last year. I've probably been to ten or twelve client weddings. Like who can say they've been to client like 10 or 12 clients weddings yeah. that's that shows you the, the relationships that you're building there like if you're getting invited and you're that close enough to those people to them to want them to be at your wed- at, the, at the wedding and that shows you that they hold you in high regard in terms of as a friend i'm not saying you're fucking the buyer friend sort of coach i'm not, not saying that at all i'm saying you've built an actual real relationship where it's a life-changing thing and that means a lot to me and if i'm going to do the job that i want to do that we want to do, then relationships are, are key to that. And I don't want it to just be a, a follow-up for five minutes of my time. I want to find out what actually makes them tick. I want to find out whether they need a bit of carrot, whether they need a bit of stick. What is their personality like? What do they like? What don't they like? Like, who is their family? Like, what 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 aspects is that going to play with them? Because it, it all matters, and it matters to us. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, we always talk about like we coach the person, not the process, and we focus on the human first and the result as a byproduct follows and I think it's that buying uh, it's that relationship and rapport that you now fundamentally build that whenever I look back at any coaches or mentors or even when I play football like the coaches you now have like the ones that get the very best out of you are the ones that are the most interested in you the ones that take the time to be able to really get to know you and it's the relationship and the human first approach that I think he especially in the online world and I shared this um last week it's like how can you think less leverage and how can you think more connection in everything you're now currently doing because ultimately to get the very best out of somebody that's where you fundamentally need to be and again it is going to take time it's going to take energy but when compounded over time if every single one of your current clients refer one person to you you've now doubled tripled quadrupled um your business and then also the fulfillment and the connection the relationships and how you're growing and developing and evolving as a person as a coach and as a communicator um as well i think only heightens and i think that's one big thing that I think we continue to place an emphasis and a focus on and um, I've definitely done so. It's like, instead of like just now looking at what's the next best tool, strategy, hack or tactic, like how can I now become a better communicator and how can I get better at building better relationships on a personal level? Because I know as a byproduct, then obviously the result um, will then fundamentally follow. And when you understand somebody at that level, we're talking about that in the car on the way here, it's like actually the, the time that we can now spend together um, as a team and as a kind of like community, like the better we understand one another, the better this machine in terms of like the energy that we're trying to curate and the safety that we're trying to provide, we'll build and we talk about the football dressing room. It's like, it's a feeling. When there's a team that's got that cohesion, they understand one another and they know what they're thinking and how they tick and they can just now almost like understand without having to say anything. And there's always that proactive like mentality. That's the teams that now like really win and that's special but it takes time and it requires a lot of nurturing and requires a lot of actually off the field and behind the scenes and the non-coaching and actually just the like person to person 
rapport, having a pint, or whatever it now might be, or a peppermint tea in our case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that it might potentially be, you know? And I think that's the very thing that if you can cultivate and you have the patience to be able to develop and build, that's where you have that kind of like longevity and you have that like longer term kind of consistency and success and you can continue to have a greater impact. Yeah, be like it come, it's simple. Like this game is actually pretty simple. I had a conversation like at the, the conference that we went to recently and it was on a table, people talking about like what were going to be the game changers for like 2023 and people were talking about funnels, like funnels, like funnel, like <laughs> yeah. fucking funnel. <laughs> People talk about funnels, talk about putting fucking oh, the graphics and the change of graphics on their like, what this guy. Just like, you know, like, like, just be a fucking good person, be a really fucking good coach, and fucking care, yeah. care about people. Like, that will literally transform and like, that will change your business. If you just go and focus on those three things as much as you possibly can, the, the rest of it, don't get me wrong, it's, it has its place and you, you, you do need it in this day and age 100%. But those are your fundamentals, those are your game changers, because you're probably, if you're worrying about all those other things too much, you're probably misaligning these things, you're forgetting these things. And just as you said then, community, connection, it's a lost, it's lost in this day. Everybody's like working from home, we're not doing these things. And I think like COVID massively had an effect, like a change on these things, like changed our habits, it stopped us from going and doing these things as much. And we got out of the habit of actually doing, like being groups and stuff. And like. I remember previously paying thousands of pounds to travel around the world to have in-person like events. Those events just don't happen anymore. People don't put them on. The big coaches don't put them on anymore. It's strange. So I think what we're trying to bring back and what we have going on here is a game changer because coaching can be a lonely world. Mm. You can be sitting there on your own or maybe you are in a gym with a coach around you, but you're not aligned with them. It's about finding your tribe, your people, bringing them together and realizing that actually, do you know what? You're fucking all right. You're actually a normal person and you're doing a great job. Like slap on the back, well fucking done. It's just realizing you're not alone. And actually I think sometimes you just see a highlight reel and all you see is like the success, the growth, the progress, the wins, the this, the that. And then you're sat there and you're like, oh, I'm worried about this person, this client, this is going on, I don't know this, I'm trying to develop this. And like you just feel as though you've got this like chaos. And it's like, I think just people understanding that you're not alone. Um, it's not about the load that you carry, but it's how you share that load that I think is so important. And it's when you've got those people around you um, to be able to now elevate, support, and give you a safe space and to now be able to recognize and realize that they're on a very, very similar mission, vision, and path to the one that you're now currently on, whether they're now a few steps ahead, whether they're aligned, and or they're maybe a few steps behind. It's like, it's the characteristics and it's the, um, it's the togetherness that ultimately does now build. And this is about the collaboration and not the competitiveness of, one another that we're now really looking to kind of like cultivate because I believe it's like one, especially inside the high performance coach, like how can we now completely transform and change and elevate the trajectory of the fitness industry by making it a stronger, safer and better place by being the best that we can be. And that's now like an infinite game that I want us to now be to play as a cohesive and how can we then excel across like the different facets you spoke about, like, you know, like person, coach, athlete and business owner, like to simplify it and to now be able to kind of like really distill it down. But in order for you to now to get the best out of others, you've got to bring the very best out of yourself and you've got to develop your craft, you've got to care, you've got to now um, like be a good human being and you've got to now do the basic stuff that isn't sexy, it's not weird, it's not wonderful. And it's the consistency that um, is almost like even rarer than talent. It doesn't happen overnight. But yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't buy it. You've got to develop this. It's cultivated, it's grown. Yeah. And it takes time and that's, that's okay. No one's in a rush. Don't, don't be in a rush to fucking become a good coach. Just let it happen. Yeah, I think is that you could almost kind of correspond back to that journey. Like you know, the the kind of the, the, whether it's the Decker Ironman, whether it's the five k, whether it's the whatever it is, is that strip it back. I know where I'm kind of going and what I'm looking to accomplish and achieve. Well, okay, what do I need right now? Who do I now need around me to support me? Um, have I now got the strategy? Yes, I need to put one foot in front of the other. How can I now use the certain mechanisms and the strategies to now to control the thoughts that are now going on in my mind that are telling me to stop, to give up, you're weak, you're not good enough, or whatever it now might potentially be. And also to manage the highs of, all right, I'm crushing it, this is absolutely amazing, let's go and get after it, and to manage that emotion, to now be able to, like I say, bring it back to the here and now, the one meter squared, um, and to now be able to enjoy where you are. So yeah, without, without a shadow of that. Mr. Dan Reef, 
Um, mate, I could keep talking to you for hours and we, we can probably keep going all night. Fucking freezing. <laughs> it's freezing. We've got a nip on. I bet the whole time we've been sat here going, needs a salmon carbonara to sit oh, by yes. the fire. So, uh, team, that. if you've been able to extract uh, even a slight a uh, bit of value, obviously, from today's podcast. I would absolutely love for you to now be able to share this with another fellow coach. Um, and or if uh, this is actually now allowed you to realize that um, you are not alone and actually these kind of like weird quirks and perks that me and Reed both spoken about today resonate with you, uh, then we would absolutely love to know. Mr. Dan Reed, thank you so much, mate. We appreciate you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.